Hello, podcast listeners. I'm Dave Leniger, and today we're diving into a story that embodies ambition and grit. Our guest, the remarkable Amberly Snyder, shares her incredible journey from rodeo dreams to facing life-changing challenges. Join us as we explore the resilience, determination, and the unwavering spirit that propels us forward. So, you're the second born of six children to a professional baseball player. What was it like growing up as a child? You know, there was a lot of us. So definitely always busy and always chaotic and definitely everyone is running around. Um, I had two and have two really great parents, you know, with my dad being a baseball player, he definitely knew what it took to be the best. And because of that, he expected the same from his kids, right? He wanted us to to pick a sport. I always laugh that I feel like we had to pick a sport at three years old of what we wanted to do for the rest of our lives. And he wanted us to be great at it. So I think he taught us really how to be determined and work hard and and do what it what it takes in order to succeed. And then my mom, I tell you, my mom is definitely the person that taught us to believe in ourselves. You know, she was the person that that was like, hey, if you don't win today, it is actually okay. You know, there is there is so much value that comes from every person and what you what you bring into that sport and even who you are as a as a character and a person outside of it. And so the combination of those two, I think, just created some pretty dang good kids, in my opinion. So what initially sparked your interest in horses and the rodeo? Well, for me, I, I think it had to have just been in my blood when I was born, because honestly, my mom just saw the interest. She had a horse when she was younger, but didn't get to rodeo or compete. She just rode at her house for a couple of years while she had a horse. But when she saw that I had an interest, she wanted to make sure that it was possible. So I started riding lessons at three years old and competing in rodeo when I was seven. I mean, it was just something that I wanted to do and thankfully had parents that allowed it to happen. And you continued competing up through high school. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Did all the junior rodeos and junior high rodeos and then high school, you know, and, and expanding my events, did barrels, poles, goats, and breakaway, did four different events through junior high and high school and absolutely loved it. So at that time, what were your future plans for your life? For me, I figured I would pro rodeo, right? I would, I was going to get my permit and get my card and start pro rodeo. And I felt like I had a horse that was capable of doing that. I felt like if I was for my job, I wanted to train horses and then go into somewhere in the equine industry as far as nutrition or some sort of a backgrounds. But that did actually change a little bit before um, my life shifted when I was serving as state FFA president. I thought, you know what, I'm actually going to go to school to be a teacher. But my rodeo goals didn't shift. I planned on pro rodeo and plan on accomplishing what I wanted to in that. So January 10th of 2000. 10, your life changed forever. Take us back to that day. Do you remember anything about the day at all? Yes. So totally remember the entire day. It didn't get knocked out. Um, I was on my way to Denver, Colorado. There was the stock show there, the National Western that they do every year. And I had been offered a job doing retail. And I thought, okay, I need to go raise and save some money in order to to get my pro card in and be able to start rodeoing. So that sounded like a, a good opportunity to do that. I was going through Sinclair, Wyoming, and had looked down to check my map. And when I looked up, I'd faded over a lane and I overcorrected my truck and in the end resulted in rolling 
I was ejected and hit a fence post on the side of the road, which is what broke my back and injured my spinal cord. We have similar backgrounds with the injury. What was your initial thoughts when they finally got through to you that perhaps you were going to be a paraplegic? You know, I mean, sitting on the side of the road waiting for somebody to come and find me, you know, you, you, you've realized that you can't feel your legs. For me, it felt like I was sitting in warm water from the waist down. I could look all around me and saw, you know, all the pieces of my truck and, and stuff with that was in my truck just scattered everywhere. And you kind of feel like, well, this can't be real and, and this can't be what we're going we're gonna to have to face. It just doesn't seem like it sets in then, right, you know? They tell you that you're paralyzed and they tell me the chances of me walking are slim to none, but more to the none. And you still just feel like, well, that can't be for me, right? Like, well, that can't be my odds. And then things are hard. I mean, it's just a continual battle and continual roller coaster of this is hard. Do I, can I do it? Will I do it? What am I going to do in order to do it? And I think that that just continues to just rotate. So where did you find the grit and determination to set your mind out that you're going to be uh, back in the saddle again and barrel racing? For me, I think that, you know, going back to the background that I have and the parents that I had, I mean, they had raised me to be that way. So that was already in, in who I was as a person. And so I think that when this challenge came to me and was, and was presented in front of me, I think that I'd already been given the tools to continue to move forward. I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence that, that God puts the challenges in our life that we have. I think that that's, that's what is set out for us. And this was no different. So for me, it was like, okay, this is what it is. What do we do now? And I'm really thankful that I was raised and capable of having that then. It, I mean, if you get faced with a challenge right at that spot, gosh, if you haven't already been learning how to handle tough things and learning how to be tough and having that attitude of perseverance, then gosh dang, a challenge is going to be dang hard, you know, or harder than it, than it even has to be. But I mean, I have a really good support system that helped a lot in any time that I needed it. And then I think I'm a little hard headed, probably a bit stubborn. And that, that definitely helped me out. You know, in the months that I was in spinal cord rehab, there were about a hundred patients in the hospital, most spinal cord, a few traumatic brain injury. But the thing that was interesting was how young most of the people were. I was in my 60s, which is unusual, but little boy babies don't mature in their brain very fast. And we have a tendency as teenagers to get drunk, crash a motorcycle, fall off a skateboard, even in starting a construction job. But young people just aren't as safety conscious. They haven't seen people fall and getting hurt. And so the thing was fascinating to me was how many of these young guys just wanted to stay in bed. They didn't want to do the therapy. They didn't want to, to face the challenge. It was too tough. And I was 60 some years old. I had uh, had a life of adventure. I had had a lot of success, but I had a lot of failures that I got over too. And so I think what your parents did for you was what my lifetime did for me, and that, okay, the circumstances are what they are. What are you going to do? Just lay here, or are you going to try to make something of yourself? And uh, you certainly grabbed a hold of that. So tell me about the movie. Yeah, the movie The movie came into play uh, a couple years ago. It came, well, really, 
probably started the process a lot in 2015 after I'd ran in the American Rodeo. And um, there was the second production company, actually, that had approached me to do it. The first one, we had written the script. These guys bought the script from that first company and then wanted to revamp it by adding the American at the end. So they did that. And uh, fast forward two years is when Netflix came on board. And then that's when the filming started. So we filmed for, it wasn't really that long, honestly, about four and a half, five weeks is all it took to film. And then it takes, we filmed through July and a little bit of August. And then, then a ton of time, obviously, to edit and stuff. But then it's been crazy to have a movie out that people can watch all around the world. And you're your own stunt double. Yes. Yep. Yep. I mean, I am the only professional paralyzed barrel racer in the U.S. So no one else can do what I do. And I didn't want them to try to fake it. So I didn't want them to try to find somebody who was going to pretend that their legs didn't work. I said, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to play myself as a stunt double. That's pretty amazing. Have not seen the movie. Rest assured, I certainly will. You've gone on, got your bachelor's degree, master's degree. Uh, you compete professionally, a motivational speaker, wrote your book. What's your horizon look like? What haven't you done that you're not satisfied with yet? Oh man, I don't, I don't know uh, if you can ever get completely content, right? There's always going to be something else that you can do, something else you can accomplish. It's kind of the way the world works, uh, especially in the sports world, right? So for rodeos, the season ends September 30th and it starts again October 1st. So there's always a goal there. I continue to pro rodeo and I've made two wilderness circuit finals this year. It's, it's going to be tough to be able to, to step up and make it for my third circuit finals. I just haven't had as many things in my favor as I needed to, but I have a, I have four, four rodeos left of the season. We'll see what we can do, but of course I'll have the goal next year to make it back. And I would like to write another book or a series. Actually, I'd want to get that put together, man. I mean, I don't know. I love speaking. I love speaking. I want to speak in all 50 States. And I hope that that's a goal that I continue to have and get to accomplish in not too long. And I think that at this point, you, you have to learn to live life at, at the fullest. And so if there's something you enjoy doing, definitely do it. I've learned to do that. And spending time with my family is one of those things. I'm also kind of a Disney fanatic, so I like to go to Disneyland and Disney World with them. You know, any of those things, those things that continue to make your life happy. And as long as you can give back and motivate and inspire people along the way, I think you're doing it right. Well, I'd say you're a perfect example of somebody that can motivate someone. That's an awesome responsibility. I've been a motivational speaker for, oh my goodness, 55 years. I have spoken 60 some countries used to travel 250 days a year. I don't work that hard anymore. I've taken it a little bit easier, but uh, it's, it's important by example to help people see what they can do. And it's easy for somebody to say, yes, you can do this. When you're living it and you've, you've accomplished it, it gives them actual hope that, well, yeah, if she could do it, then I could do it. I think that that's very true. So I think I've, it's the fact of not just telling, but showing people. So what do you tell to a younger generation now? And you're very young yourself, but uh, there's actually a generation following along with you about making a way in life. How do you prepare yourself for the inevitable ups and downs? It's a roller coaster ride. There's going to be wonderful accomplishments and there's going to be some pretty sad failures. How do you tell a young person to look forward to a life like that 
and how to get through it. You know, I, I think the first thing that I say that it's, it's okay to have a bad day. Uh, I think on occasion, we feel like if you have a bad day, you must be doing something wrong. Or if you're not positive, you must not be as strong as you need to be. And I don't think that's true at all. I think that some of the strongest people out there are going to have bad days. Because in order to really appreciate the good ones and in order to build yourself up to have them, I think you have to recognize when it's not okay. So first I tell people it's okay to have a bad day, but you don't have a bad life and you can't stay there. So once you've worked through that bad day, then choose what you're going to do next. You know, what goal do you have next? How are you going to pick yourself up? What do you have right there that you should appreciate? And if you can continue to have that mindset over and over and over, I think that you can recognize that your life's actually pretty dang good. You can have bad moments and bad days, but your life in, in whole is actually pretty great. And you can recognize the people that are in it are in it for a reason and that God has a purpose for you to serve and continue to do that. And then gosh dang, why not just enjoy the ride? So one other question is you appear to be very goal driven. Talk to us a little bit about how do you figure out the goal in your mind and what steps do you put in place to accomplish the goal that you're after? So for me, if I'm going to set that goal first, I think it's important to write it down. I think that it's important to put it out there, what you, what you want to accomplish. And then I think you have to have a plan, right? You can't just say, Hey, I want to do this. Okay. Well then how are you getting there? You know, what is your plan? What does it take in order to accomplish that? And I think that it's really important to also celebrate along the way. So the small things deserve celebration and the small triumphs are absolutely worth talking about. Sometimes you're, you might not get to that big goal. I mean, truly, that's just the way it goes. Sometimes you might not get there and maybe, maybe you will at some point, right? It's just not in the time frame you thought you had, but that doesn't mean that the process didn't deserve celebration. You know, there was something good that happened and on occasion, and I, I'm guilty of this too, that I had to learn to celebrate the small things because I'm like, well, I, you know, I didn't do this. Yeah, you're right. I didn't, but I did do this. And that's, that's the way my brain has to work that I set the goals and I make a plan of how I'm going to get there. And then what am I going to celebrate along the way before I do? By the way, I raise Arabian horses. So you have some horse in your blood too. I've bred 3000 Arabian horses. Oh, wow. 1000 national champions. Well, congratulations. We're really into horses. Yeah, so, yes, to say the least. Thanks for all the great, great advice today. I appreciate it. In closing, people that want to follow you, how do they do that? They can find me on my website, amberlysnyder.org. They can find me on all the social media platforms. I don't know, there might be new ones now. I feel like these kids continue to come up with new platforms. But you can find me on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, on TikTok. Did I get them all? I don't know. I Any of the social media platforms I try to be on top of, I do answer all my messages. So if they send me a message and they need a response, they will get one. And uh, yeah, find me and follow me. How many uh, speaking engagements are you doing a year? I am doing usually around 50, 50 to 60 a year. Keeps me busy enough. And uh, I love that I get to do that. Awesome. Well. I sincerely appreciate your being on the program today. I will follow you and I'll send you some information on some of our conventions. That sounds awesome. Thank you.